Alright, hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Red Room Podcast. Uh, 16 glorious half-hour episodes. That's eight hours. That's a full work day of time that Scott and I have put in here. We love doing this. We love talking about television. And this week we have a fascinating topic. Yeah, we're going to discuss the downfall of great television. It seems like everyone talks about jumping the shark from back in the happy days day. I mean, that has to be one of the most interesting phrases to come around. And every show seems to do it. I guess what sort of sparked this is Josh and I uncovered a Twin Peaks documentary, thanks to Sherilyn Fenn. She put it up on her um, Facebook page. and um, We we have a link to it on ours. Yeah, it's it's a great documentary. Um, But in it... Lucy, Kimmy Roberts, said that season two of Twin Peaks sucks. And I take issue with that. I I really love season two. I actually love season two better than season one. But it does have a downfall. Yes. Agreed. There's about 12 episodes too many. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, we we talk about now, you look at shows like, you know, you you don't watch The Walking Dead, but those types of shows, The Wire, perfect example, 12 episodes... Every second is packed with something that moves forward and moves you forward with it. Uh, it seems to be that they've finally found the magic formula on seasons. Well, I think for creative shows, I mean, a sitcom can do it, but I don't think a creative show can do it. Twin Peaks, <clears throat> they, they felt compelled to solve Laura Palmer's mystery. And in that documentary, they really talked about how that was a mistake. But I would submit that episodes 14, 15, and 16 of Twin Peaks, where we find out who did it, and then Ray Wise is playing Bob and Leland at the same time, is the greatest moment in Twin Peaks. So if you take that away, I don't know if I'd love Twin Peaks as much, because those are great, great episodes. You lose Firewalk with me, which... You know, is the yeah. penultimate statement of Twin Peaks. So, so I, I guess the interesting topic is: is the downfall really the creative decisions in these shows, or was it an outside influence? Was it an executive? Was it, you know, I don't have. If you're writing a novel and you're at a tricky part, you put the novel away. You take some time in television. You, you don't do have that. that. No, there's a an advertising influence. I mean, obviously, television is a business. It needs to be fed viewers. Um, you know, it goes back to the Facebook argument. If you're not paying for the product, chances are you are the product. So, um, you know, network television was free, you know, for years and still is. Uh, and if you're not paying for it, you're being marketed to, and that, you know, that influence is huge on the creative aspect of any type of. Well, sure, because David Lynch and Mark Frost would definitely have. At the end of episode 16, when Leland dies and Bob flies away as the owl, um, they would have gone to the network and said, hey, we need you know three, four weeks. We're going to regroup, take the writers up to Northern California, right. really plan this out. And they would have said, um, yeah, you're number 80 in the ratings. You're canceled. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have that ability. That's right. Um, another show that I think had a major downfall was The X-Files. Oh, gosh, yes. I loved The X-Files with all my heart. I mean, just loved it. Up until season six, I want to say. I don't know when. I can't say because... So, The X-Files, when the movie came out, the first one, Fight the Future, Mm -hmm. 
there was nothing better on television than the X-Files at that moment in time. And going to see that movie fed off of a television changed the way that I looked at television. I mean, the ability to reach out into a movie and tell a two-hour block of story that answered so many questions from the first five seasons and yet opened up so many more... It looked like it would never end, and it was fantastic. What a great ride. And then, well, and you know, they filmed that movie a year before. Oh, so no, they filmed season four, filmed the movie during the break, and went back to work on season five and had to write season five up to where the movie That's was great. written. That's fantastic. And one of the things they did in the season five finale is they set Mulder's office on fire and burnt the sets down because they knew it would be different in the movie. And it was their way of... Getting past that. So there was a lot of cool things. But I think that amount of preparation, in the, very similar to Twin Peaks, burnt them out. Yeah. They couldn't keep it up because they had worked ahead, you know, and they did all those things. And then when the time came, they just it, just, it, it dropped down. And I think once you didn't have David Duchovny... That was it. Yeah, mm-hmm. once, Duke, once David Duchovny left the show... All the all the air went out of it. There was nothing left that could support it. Even uh, what's his name from Terminator Two and The Sopranos season two when he came in right. as the other cop. Yeah, I was not, I didn't watch it then. I watched it till the very end. I really did, and I bought all nine seasons. I own all nine of them. I've never gone back to watch them uh, past like season two or three, I think. But someday I will, and I'll give it another chance. But it still lost it. I mean, it really did. This is off topic of downfalls, but this is really the first time we've ever discussed the X-Files on here that I can remember. And I just want to say that Darren Morgan is one of the best writers ever. I don't know if there's any Darren Morgan fans out there, but he wrote the funny episodes of the X-Files. So if you really think back of, of the offshoot ones that... Clyde Brookman's Final Repose oh, that was, a great episode, yes. was one that, and I think he actually won the Emmy for writing that, which is crazy for a show at Facts Files to win a writing Emmy. And he also wrote some great episodes on Millennium that were just really take a genre. I have no idea what Darren Morgan is doing, but I've never got to talk about you him should before. See if he's on Twitter. He's one of my just so creative and, to, and really could jump in a show. And take the parts, rip it, destroy it, but keep within in the confines. So I wanted to say, I love you, Darren. Yes, uh, <laughs> we miss the X-Files. Scott has a habit of drawing a line in the sand on television shows. I pretend like those seasons don't even exist. <laughs> so what are some um, downfall shows for you? Um, you know, the first one that comes to my mind is Deadwood. Uh, David Milch, uh, HBO. Which, you know, and HBO gets a lot of credit, by the way, for having all these great creative shows, but they've killed as many great shows. <laughs> you know, Rome, killed in the second season, just outrageous. I mean, uh, fantastic shows. Deadwood went three seasons, I believe 12 episodes a season, and I would put that up against, especially in terms of dialogue, there is no show that can match Deadwood when it comes to dialogue. It is Shakespeare with cursing in the dirtiest environment possible. Um, an, an atmosphere where there are no laws, and you know this is a real period in American history, by the way, that was never told. And, and Milch has an amazing habit of finding those niche, you know, stories that have never been told and, and uh, just breaking them wide open. Well, I don't know what happened. I mean, I've read various accounts. Supposedly, there were supposed to be two two-hour movies after the series ended. They found a great way to wrap up 
the season, but it wasn't complete. The story wasn't completely told. So um, it wasn't like a Twin Peaks where, you know, at the end of it, you know, we, we I can see season three at Twin Peaks. We can all right. see it. You know, that would have been amazing yeah. to see the Cooper, you know, the split Cooper and how that worked. Right. I mean, that's just a, a very unfortunate and sad, tragic tale that will never be told. But Deadwood did have an ending. It just wasn't a satisfactory one, uh, much like Entourage. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I didn't think about that, but definitely Entourage, another show that really had a downfall, and to me, it's the the advertising. I mean, don't you think it was kind oh, of bringing gosh, in yeah. that? Like they, they they went so commercial the on a The tequila crap and all that, I mean, it was just really bad move, and it, it killed the golden goose, in my opinion. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah and I guess we've covered that. So let's talk about Seinfeld, because... Right. You know, you and I have very different opinions on Seinfeld. <laughs> and I believe that in Seinfeld fans, there is almost a line in the sand. To me, when Larry David left, Seinfeld couldn't exist without it because... Which is funny when you think it's called Seinfeld and stars Jerry Seinfeld. Sure. But he needed Larry David. And to me, I... I watched, I think, the opener that year after Larry David left, and maybe the next episode, and I was out. I never watched it again to the final episode. So when people talk about Elaine's funny dancing, yeah. or Cuddy or Putty, whoever that is, yeah. I don't know who they are. That's crazy to me. I mean, it really, because those are some of my favorite episodes. I'm not going to say that it's better when Larry David left, because I would never do that. But it's interesting to see what a team of great writers did with his creation when he was no longer there. I mean, to me, that is a case study of someone with a dominating will and a personality that comes into a show and formulates it around their vision, their their sense of comedy, and then when they're gone, how do how does a team of great writers fill that vacuum? Mm-hmm. And so the last two to three seasons of Seinfeld is, a, in my opinion, a great case study on, on you know a writing team versus a single writer with a vision. Um, right. Well, it just... <clears throat> I think when you had a character like Kramer, you have to use him sparingly or thoughtfully. And without, I feel like, Larry David, who probably is so hard on himself. I mean, I imagine him just I could see that beating himself up, you know, saying, that's not funny enough. And without having that gate, I just feel like the silliness and ridiculousness. It was definitely sillier. I totally agree with you on that. But, you know, at the time, you know, I was in college, so we, weren't, we were looking mm-hmm. to get together and drink beer on a Thursday and watch <laughs> Seinfeld. You know, we weren't looking for highbrow entertainment. Um, but maybe it's just emotional that I look back on that. The, the odd thing is, is, you know, you say downfall after Larry left, but I think the general view towards Seinfeld is that they went out on top. I mean, you know, they had the highest ratings of any network sitcom ever and chose, this is, I mean, they chose the date. This is what, it was a huge media event. Well, I think if you added up the viewers, you would say that post Larry David was more successful. Agreed. Commercial. I don't consider that to be, to mean anything because I wonder Emmy wise the way it played out that I don't know but I just that that's a show that I feel like another one interesting one is Sex in the City as far mm-hmm. as you mentioned going off you know quitting at the top Sex in the City has a dip season 5 is awful I don't really remember it's the arc it's real short there's only 8 episodes I feel like Sarah Jessica 
Is that Parker where Aiden, was she left Aiden? I don't think anyone is in. Aiden is season four, and then six, they really wrote, you know, yeah, they got... six was good. Six is really good. They gave Samantha cancer, and I feel like that was a bold choice. Yep. <clears throat> so I think they dipped a little bit and then pulled out of it. Most shows, I don't think, can do that. I mean, normally when you have that dip, it's hard to pull change gears, pull back. But I love Sex and the City. I think it's one of the all-time great comedy shows, or dra- and I'll call it a dramedy because you know there was a lot of drama towards the end. Now the second movie we won't discuss, but right. <laughs> uh, they actually I thought made a very successful jump into film, which you can't do if you have a decline in your show. Right. You just can't do it. So I don't see Entourage being able to make that leap. No, I don't either. But I think that. Um, the first Sex in the City movie is better than the entire series as far as true drama. You know, when you think of how Meg Ryan or Sandra Bullock handles a breakup in every romantic comedy you've ever seen, yep. and you compare to how Sarah Jessica Parker oh, played Wasn't that, brutal? that breakup, I mean, it was unbelievable. And so that... That's a show that really didn't have a downfall, I would say. Yeah, I agree. So just other, a dip other downfalls, though. I mean, I'm trying to rack my brain here. Uh, just finished Everwood. I don't think it had a downfall at all, but I stopped watching it, oddly hmm. enough. And I think it was more because the WB was screwing around with the time times on the show. So, you know, in the Twin Peaks documentary, they talked about... Having the audience, you know, where is this show at? Oh, it's on right. Sunday morning at yeah. 10 o'clock. Great. I'll watch, you know, Bob kill somebody before <laughs> I go to the church. Yeah. And that's a, but that's a great point. So downfall of a show, timing. At that point in time, DVRs weren't around. So oh, it meant everything. And, and going back and um, being on at the same time and being able to find it, you know, I, mean, I bet you that everyone knows the Cosby show was on Thursdays. At 8 o'clock. You know, it's just something you know, and I don't remember Cosby being anywhere else ever. Well, I Nick th- at night, but Well, I mean, when, when, it, when it ran, and I think that makes a big difference. Um, we touched on this a couple weeks ago when we had Dodi on, but Moonlighting is very famous for having a downfall for when Dave and Maddie get together. And we are starting to watch Moonlighting as part of our TV nights. And it'll be interesting. This will be a discussion, I'm sure, that we'll have in the future. I have always said it's not true. It has a dip similar to Sex and the City. There is season four of Moonlighting is rough. But season five writes the ship. And I think... Right. I think you can do that. What about Friends? I don't think Friends. I think I I think Friends had a. They were steady for me the whole time. I mean, yeah. I think it was a pretty steady show. You knew what you were getting when you got into a Friends episode, and for the most part, they delivered every time. I mean, what a great writing team they had. I mean, it yeah. was just stupendous. Yeah, I can't really remember. And um, Frasier too, same thing. Right, Frasier, Cheers. I feel like there are shows that really keep that level up there and and never jump the shark, if you will. Well, when you say that it's because they hit on a formula that worked, I mean, they may have been a little stuttery in the beginning, but once they got that steady formula working in a Friends episode or a Frasier episode with all the farcical misunderstandings mm-hmm. of Three's Company-ish, misunderstandings, right. they could ride that formula forever. Big Bang Theory does it every week now. Two and a half men did it. They wrote it all the way to the very top. Uh, right. Just just amazing. So let's talk about 30-something. Well, 30-something is a show that I think only gets better and better. I think each season 
is better. And everyone says that about The Wire. We're in, you know, 3.5. Don't you and, agree, though? Um, right now, I'm not sure yet. Okay. Um, I'll have to see. I'm enjoying season three, but like I said, I have a feeling season, season two, two just spoke to me in, in a way, which is different than having a downfall. Sure, sure, but, sure. But um, I, I don't think 30-something ever had... Well, then why did it go off the air? <clears throat> I don't know. And, you know, I remember reading... Well, I, actually, the same guy canceled 30-something in Twin Peaks the same day Robert... Eager, I think his name was, or something like that, from ABC. ABC. Same day, and then three years later, he said, you know, I probably made a mistake canceling both those shows. Like, really? You think so? Right. (laughs) I mean, they were kind of hitting their stride. 30-something, definitely. So, executive ego. You know, that's a a downfall in network television. I don't think it's it's as much now on the... Especially the cable side, so the FX and the... But you've seen, even with um, Sons of Anarchy... uh, Breaking Bad and Mad um, Men. Mad they Men. They had a huge. Yep, Mad Men. Oh, Mad Men, great show. Um, and uh, what's the other? Walking Dead. Those shows are amazing shows. I mean, they are going to be go down as some of the best produced and written television shows in history. I'm, I'm just saying right. that right now. You can check me in 20 years, <laughs> but they have had enormous struggles with executive management. And quite frankly, it's very expensive to produce these shows. I mean, you've produced your own show. How much does that cost you in time alone? If somebody were paying for your time, how much would that have cost them? Thousands and thousands of dollars, right? So multiply that times millions. Well, today I spent six hours working on a minute and 25 second preview to put up on YouTube. Like, how ridiculous is that? Well, so, I mean, you know. but you're a perfectionist, and I look at people like David Lynch as perfectionists. You know, they're, right. they're going to craft what they put out there meticulously, just like George Lucas with Star Wars. People complain. Right. There's a movie out about people bitching about George Lucas changing Star Wars. You know what? That's his artistic expression. Change it as much as you want, George. I'll keep watching every change you make. <laughs> to me, it's not a finished product. It won't be finished until the man is dead. Right. iPhone was not a finished product until Steve Jobs died. Now, see what Apple, where Apple goes from now. I mean, it's that type of, you know, the visionary. Right. Which is interesting because my favorite composer, Stephen Sondheim, and he's still alive, and he brings his shows back to Broadway and does them completely different. You know, they yep. do a Sweeney Todd where the artists play their instruments themselves and then you compare it to the Johnny Depp version, which is completely different. <clears throat> That's something that really doesn't happen in TV that much. I mean, the closest thing that I can think of is sort of Gene Roddenberry doing Star Trek The Next Generation. So which, we've, they've had some know, remakes. Charlie's Angels this year tanked so bad. But was it the same person? Oh. That's what I'm saying. That's like, the point. same person coming back. I'm You're saying, right. Yeah, there's Gene reboots that some, like Ronald Moore with Battlestar. But he had nothing to do with the first Battlestar. Right. I don't think in TV there really is that chance to give... Like, I can never imagine ABC going to David and Mark and saying, yeah, I'm, do Let's it again. Let's do season three. <laughs> yeah, you know? I would love to see that. Yeah. Wow. I'm, well, everyone would. And, wait a minute. Arrested Development. Arrested Development. Great. Is it great? Yeah. yeah. Never I mean, had a downfall. No. Except but, for the network. Yeah, the network had the downfall. And now they're coming back and getting to touch it again. It'll be really interesting yeah. to see. Maybe it will open up for that. Well, I think it'll, it'll be a case study. And when I say that in a business sense, 
for television shows that have a cult following. I mean, there's been clamoring for years to get Firefly back on. Even Nathan Fillion, I believe, has offered to purchase the rights from the network and Joss Whedon to produce it. That may be an apocryphal story. I don't know. But, um, you know, the idea that there are cult followings behind these shows, dedicated audiences that would flock to watch it, you know, a captive audience that you could sell things to, Mm. um, it still doesn't matter in the end to some of these... Speaking of downfalls, Buffy is one. Um, I put the first three seasons of Buffy up there with any show. The fourth season is decent in the the fifth. And Lord knows the sixth season are just putrid. I mean, just total collapse. So do you think it's a matter of trying to milk, milk something too long past its creative prime? I think in a lot of cases, in most cases, because we haven't even discussed shows like, let's say, Desperate Housewives. I've never seen an episode. I watched I like the first episode. You know, but I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I don't know if they ever had a high point to really have a downfall, but I think most successful television, probably everything on CBS, is just a formula that you do... And people would watch NCIS until forever. Yeah, you know, yeah, and it wouldn't have, matter. until they run out of cities in the U.S. <laughs> C- CIS, CSI, or CIS? C- what's it? CSI, Sandusky. CSI, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can keep going. I mean, because really, the locale is what changes, and the and the attitudes and characteristics of the people. Well, I don't want this podcast to have a downfall, so we're wrapped. Yes, we up. know when to we um, know when to bow out. Um, I do want to let everyone know that. Uh, Josh and I are seriously considering having a Twin Peaks art show in Columbus. If you are out there and you are an artist, sculptor, painter, collage maker, whatever it is, um, if it is inspired by Twin Peaks, we want to have it in our art show. We'd like to do it, let's say, early spring 2012. Please send us an email at feedback at redroompodcast.com. We'll get you the information. We'll be hawking this art show for the next couple of months. Oh, it could be cool. So Scott went to a Twin Peaks art show in Canton recently. Yeah, and we posted the pictures up at our Facebook page. There was some uh, great stuff. Oh, it was so amazing. I mean, just really, really cool. And I thought, there are people out there who can create, and that's sort of what we're about, and we want to... see what you have and so let us know and we'll keep you posted on that thanks for listening keep watching